Hi, it's Booty, and you're listening to Seven Questions. Seven Questions is where I ask world leaders and people I find fascinating seven questions. In today's episode, I'm so honored to have Governor David Patterson. Governor David Patterson is an American politician who served as the 55th governor of New York, succeeding Elliot Spitzer and serving out the final three years of Spitzer's term from March 2008 to the end of 2010. He is the first African-American to hold that position and the second legally blind U.S. governor of any state after Bob Riley, who was acting governor of Arkansas for 11 days in January 1975. Since leaving office, Patterson has been a radio talk show host on station WOR in New York City and was in 2014 appointed chairman of the New York Democratic Party by his successor as governor, Andrew Cuomo. In this episode, you'll hear Governor Patterson and I laugh. You'll hear uh, Mary open the door. Um, this, this, this show is all about uh, real blunt and honesty. And so everything in this episode is unedited, as I like all of my episodes to be. So you as a viewer and you as a listener uh, can hear the authentic truth of anyone who's sharing and playing seven questions. So I thank you for in advance for listening. I thank you for subscribing and sharing seven questions. It's still early on. I just started this podcast this year, and I'm so honored uh, to have influencers uh, share their uh, life story with me and pay it forward. Thank you for listening to seven questions. Hi. You're listening to Seven Questions. This is Booty. Seven Questions is where I ask world leaders and people I find fascinating seven questions. Today, I am so honored to have Governor David Patterson. Governor, Governor, I am like, I can't even speak. I'm so excited. How are you? Well, I'm excited too, Jeff. And the reason I'm excited is because I'm on vacation. Now, that doesn't sound particularly interesting. Everybody goes on vacation at some point every year. But I noticed that after I served in government, I never really went on vacation again. In other words, I'm still almost hypnotized by government service. I think if I'm away, something's going to happen. Someone's going to call. Something's going to come up, and I'm going to be out of touch. And there was a time when we all went on vacations, and you didn't talk to anyone in two weeks. In other Mm. words, if you were a sports fan, you just found out what went on in the two weeks. Now, wherever you are, because of technology, we're accessed in. We wind up talking to the same people that we talked to while we're on vacation. And in my case, all I did on my vacation was take my desk and shift it to a new location. So I'm at the beach, but I'm still having business Mm -hmm. calls. So I'm in a restaurant, but I'm still waiting for a call or something like that. And this with the exception of you, Mr. Booty, because you're special. Oh, thank you so this much. This has really been a vacation, and uh, my loved one, Mary, and I have really tried to zone out and just enjoy the surroundings around us, and we've been to the beach, and we've been to um, uh, the pool, and, yep, yep. and we sat on the beach and watched the sunset, and it, we did all these things. But not with this nonstop chatter around us. And ironically, the morning that we went on vacation, uh, I was watching the morning news on CBS. And they had a whole story about how people really never stop 
They, they never, mm. you, you know, the secret to exercise is not always that you're exercising, it's you do it, you know, you smash your muscles a little bit, you stop, mm. then you come back and do it after they've healed. That on-off sort of thing, which is endemic to the Indian culture and to, mm. to cultures around the world, but this time we really are trying to stop. And I figured seven questions would be part of stopping because it's completely different. Mm -hmm. It's like a fun thing to do. Yep. So that's why I'm glad to join you. Thank you. Thank you, Governor. And thank you, Mary, for giving him up for a few minutes. I appreciate that You're so welcome. much. All right. You ready to play? I'm ready. All right. Let's Shake do it. Shake the box. All right. And then I'll open it. And then you got to choose a question. Now, given the name that you have is... When they, anyone shake the box, did they ever say, shake your booty? Not yet. You were the first person. Oh, okay. All right, let me read it here. All right, question one. That's hilarious, though. I've gotten, well, you know my name. Yeah, For those absolutely. listening, you've, I've gotten it all. Um, ooh, first question. This is the first, uh, first question. If you were an animal, which one would you want to be? Wow. If I was an animal... I think I'd want to be a dolphin mm. because dolphins are known for their ability to communicate with other dolphins and even to a certain extent to communicate with human beings mm -hmm. and um, and so they just seem to have this peaceful coexistence with each other they're not known for attacking anybody they're not known for um, you know, in any way bothering anyone. They just kind of do their thing. And it's an animal that always seems sort of happy when they jump up mm -hmm. and down in, in mm -hmm. the water and, and that kind of thing. So I've always been uh, interested in how much animals actually know, and I think it's more than we think they do. Um, Deepak Chopra says that animals have a soul, mm -hmm. and that would sort of contradict the sort of... Um, uh, you know, uh, Christian, Jewish sort of belief that the animals don't have any real feeling. They just do what they do. Mm. But I think um, spiritually they do. And, and I find the dolphin to be an interesting animal. Yeah, that's cool. Dolphin in another life. <laughs> <laughs> Question one done. Thank you. Question two. That wasn't so bad. No. I got, I got an easy one there. Can you get the same question twice? Like, uh, nope. <laughs> like they think you didn't really answer the first one the right way? Oh, question two. Do you believe in luck? You've had an yes. amazing career. Yes. Do you believe in luck? I think that it's luck, but they say luck is the residue of design. And I think that... Um, what I really believe in that most people would call luck is coincidence, mm. but I think spiritually coincidences happen for a reason. They can be good or they can be bad. Mm -hmm. So, um, for instance, when I first ran for office, it was a, by pure coincidence. I was working for a gentleman who would later become mayor of the city of New York, David Dinkins, the first black mayor of yep, New York City. I know that. And, and I was sent to an event to speak for him. And um, the people were very angry that he wasn't there. And so they yelled at me all night. So I'm thinking this is a terrible night. Mm. 
And then, when I was getting ready to leave, this woman put up her hand and said, you know something, we're not voting for your candidate because he didn't come, but I really admire how you took our questions and you didn't react to us even though you knew we were insulting you. And she said, when you run for office, you let me know because I'm going to help you. And the people clapped, which actually almost made me cry. Wow. And three weeks later, coincidentally, my predecessor in the Senate passed away. And some of the people in that room were the ones <clears throat> inadvertently who told the people who would be deciding who would succeed the senator about me. Mm. And if I hadn't gone to that event, or if Dinkins sent wow. someone else, or if he had gone, yeah. the whole thing doesn't happen. And I'm not sitting here with you right now. That's crazy. So I, I definitely believe that that happens. But I think that there is order to the luck you have. And sometimes <clears throat> there's bad luck. And I could give you 50 examples of that. <laughs> and I'm not always sure what it means, but I know it means something. Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Question two done. Question three. Let's see what we have here next. They're shaking that box. This one didn't want to come out, so I'm not going to take it. All right. I'll take this one. Let's see what we've got. Question three. Best advice you've gotten and used? Because as listeners know, sometimes we get advice and we don't use it. But what's the best advice that you've gotten and you've actually used? The best advice I got was, oddly enough, from another elected official named Fernando Ferrer. He ran for mayor of the city once. But this was back when we were not in the places that we eventually uh, uh, attained, but when talking about politics and government, his best advice to me was don't take it personally. Mm, but that's you a know, hard one. <laughs> it's hard because yeah. <laughs> sometimes I could follow it, but sometimes I couldn't. When people are following you and asking you why you did this and why you did that, and like little things mm -hmm. that may have happened years ago and they judged them up and like, well, why would you do something like that? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I wouldn't have done something like that if I knew, you know, I was running for governor one day, mm -hmm. but yeah. I'm a yeah. human being. Yep. And um, it's very hard not to take it personally. But as I stand away from it now, from 30,000 feet, this is all a game. I've got a friend who's running for office right now. He's trashing the other candidates. They're trashing him. None of what they're saying about each other is really that relevant. It's actually obfuscating the public's ability to really get to know who they really are. Mm. And um, if they would take it less personally and just talk about what they want to accomplish, it would be a much better campaign. So I think that, um, uh, you know, so many things happen in life, and particularly things that happen to us, we think it's personal. You know, people may mistreat you at times, a lot of the times it's not because it's you. They mistreat everybody. Yeah. Or yeah. in a particular mm. situation, somebody does something, they're having something going on with them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's uh, the best advice I ever got. Yeah, I think there's a book called The Four Agreements. Um, and one of them is not to take things personally uh, by Miguel um, uh, was, uh, um, uh, Ruiz. I'm pronouncing it wrong. My apologies uh, to those Miguel fans. No, well, I'm glad Miguel uh, cleared this up because Fernando Ferrer told me this was his advice. Oh. <laughs> you, you could be a comedian. You know that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Question four. You're doing so great. Let's do it. Oh, two of them came out. Oh, two. Out. All right. That's right. never happened. How, Drop one. All right, there one, we go. One Perfect. Fell. Ooh, question four. What do you want to be remembered for? 
It's funny, I'm, I'm writing a book now, so I've had to confront this question. If you had read this question to me last week, I don't know <laughs> if I could have answered it. But what I think is that I've had a very unique life. Mm -hmm. um, um, I was born black, which is in the best place to be in this country sometimes. Mm -hmm. I was also born blind, mm -hmm. which can be an even worse place to be because 71% of blind people are unemployed. Mm -hmm. Even though blind people have gone through the um, educational system and performed higher than the national average. So we know how to educate blind people, but nobody ever has any faith to employ uh, people like myself. So I think that, but that unique view, I encountered more racism being around blind people and encountered more discrimination being around black people. So there were times when I felt alone, like I'm just mm. cast out by everybody in a, to a certain degree. And what I realized in the end is that we're all the same. We're all the same because we come from the same source, you know, way, way, way back. They were just, you know, two of us. And so spiritually, what I would like to be remembered for is to try to create that type of, of understanding among people, even when I was in government. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I abhorred some of the policies that my colleagues who were on the other side of the aisle, meaning they were Republicans had, but I was always ready to talk to them. I was always ready to have dinner and, and recognize that we all wanted the same things. We just had different roads to try to get there. Because if you ask anybody what they think this country should be about, they probably give the same answer. Mm -hmm. Even though on the cable stations every night, they're ridiculing each other, saying this one's with the terrorists because they disagree with them, saying that one should go to hell because we disagree with them. And I think that um, my message really is when you peel back the race, the religions, the national origins, the sexual orientations, the ages, and the disabilities, when you peel them all back, in the end, we're, we're all the same. And that was what I tried to bring to governance. Mm, thank you. Yeah, so there's no coincidences, you know. We we met at this point so that you could be prepared for that answer. Isn't that crazy? Right, exactly. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> All right, question five. Let's see what we got here. Oh, um, these two <laughs> questions keep coming out. <laughs> Ooh, what? This this is interesting. What do you do to find peace when at times there is noise all around you? Um, meditation, mm. it's fantastic. It's not only a vehicle of peace, but it's a vehicle of um, escape to mm -hmm. a certain degree, but escape with a purpose. Not like you're just blasting loud music to get escape, mm -hmm. which is nice sometimes, <laughs> but um, it, it helps you to redefine w what your intentions are and and what you wish and to kind of reset that button even though I said you know we're all the same through meditation I have to remind myself mm. we're all the same because sometimes some people feel very different mm. like you wonder how they could come from this planet <laughs> and um, but I would say that uh, meditation also uh, music is a place like when I'm exercising if I turn on some music I can look up and oh 
all of a sudden, I've done 52 minutes. Mm. Only because I listened to a few songs I liked. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it creates a piece, you know, while my arms and legs are going through a very difficult <laughs> ordeal. Torture. Um, <laughs> to emotionally and personally, I have peace. And when the exercise is over and I can, f you know, feel the results, it's it's a peace, peaceful place to be. Mm. That's good. To, that's good to hear and good to know. Thank you for sharing that. Question six. Almost done. How you doing? I'm good. All right. I just have a knack for grabbing two questions <laughs> at the same time. Question six. What are you most grateful for? Wow. You know, sometimes uh, you think about the ordeal that you're going through right now and the struggle um, sometimes with, you know, uh, professional situations, even your personal relationships and what you, what you forget is perhaps all of the exciting experiences that life has given you. So when I was a little kid, you know, bullied a little, mm. um, struck back a few times and I get in trouble for striking back, you know, and the world seems so unfair. How could I ever imagine that I would become governor of the state of New York? They had some very oppressive drug laws in New York called the Rockefeller drug laws, where the punishments were like almost twice as much as any other state. Mm. I got rid of it. Um, uh, I, um, at the time, we didn't have same-sex marriage through the Supreme Court, so I granted it, even though the legislature hadn't passed it, that if someone went out of state and got married, they came back into state. As far as we're concerned, they're married. Mm. To actually do that. Mm -hmm. That's um, huge. And, and, and to do that in honor of um, some of my, uh, they weren't, none of them were direct relatives, but they were older people that I knew who were gay and lesbian and how they would have loved to be able to express it more freely than they could now. Mm -hmm. And then to... Um, to create opportunities for minority and women-owned businesses that were never there before. And that's what I did while being governor. But then, um, even from there to, uh, you know, as, I guess, as, you know, as much as I like humor and to hang out and, you know, crack jokes and stuff, <laughs> and then I'm on Saturday Night Live, like, that was a pinnacle for me. Wow, You know, yeah, it doesn't get yeah, better than yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, at some of those times, I have to think, I've lived a really exciting life and really um, had great opportunities um, I once cracked a joke and made Muhammad Ali laugh wow. and I once cracked a joke and made the Queen of England laugh and they say she never laughs wow. so I think through um, my sense of humor uh, I've been able to make life a lot lighter mm -hmm. than it would have been and um, so I think I'm most grateful that mm. spiritually I was granted that sense of humor mm, that gift yeah that is a gift I believe that's amazing um, no, thank you for sharing that. That's cool. Um, question seven. We're almost done, man. The last, last one. This is the last question. <laughs> last question. All right. See if you can grab one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Just I, one this just time. Just one. Oh, this is, wow. Look at this one. Question seven. Why do you think we work? Why do you think we work? Well, I think that the reason that we work and the reason that we become educated 
and the reason that we pursue romance mm -hmm. and maybe even the reason that we take care of others mm. is to validate our presence in this short time that we're in this physical world. Mm -hmm. um, I think we came from the spiritual world. I think there's a higher consciousness that um, um, predetermines some of our actions. But I think that it sustains ourselves. You know, the worst day of the work week is Monday. Mm. Because now you have to get up and go to work. You just had a nice weekend, you know. And now i got to go back and deal with <laughs> X and Y, who I work with, that kind of thing. But what I learned years ago for a time that I was in this situation, when you're unemployed, mm -hmm. the worst day of the week is Monday. Because that's <laughs> when all your friends go back to work. Oh, and you've and got to go like, back oh, to sending your resumes oh, out. What a, what a way to flip that. Yeah. yeah you've yeah. got to go back to mm -hmm. trying to think of what to do mm -hmm. when there's no one around all day. Wow. And you've got to. Mm -hmm. So I think as much as we kind of overwork in our society right now, and that's why I was saying the importance of vacation we're coming right back to where we started the importance of vacation mm -hmm. and the importance of putting all these business issues and even interactions down is because we have overworked in our society we're always working mm -hmm. people think they can call a friend of mine once asked uh, someone asked a friend of mine if they could talk to me he says yeah here's his phone number but he's on vacation don't call him until he gets back next week he called me five minutes later no one respects that time off but work for work's sake, I think, keeps us going. So many retired people regret that they were retired because they can't find something to do with themselves. Mm -hmm. I think that everyone should be constantly re-educating themselves and everyone should be working on a project. And I think when you stop, that's pretty much the beginning of the end of your life. Mm. Everyone should be, everyone listening, you should be working on a project. Uh, and then when you stop, that's, I mean, that's, wow, that's a quote. I'm going to have to quote that and tweet that later. That's incredible. That was, <laughs> this has been so much fun. Thank you so much, Governor. So, for... Booty, did you know that years ago when they had the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, he used to put on a turban and he called himself Karnak, uh, the mysterious visitor from the East. And they had a box just like that. And they would shake the box and they would reach in and ask him a question. Now, they would give him the answer and then he would tell you what the question was. What? And it was it was always like a joke. Like one time, the answer was cock-a-doodle-doo. Mm -hmm. And then he would hold the, the question up over his face like this and he'd go, hmm. He'd nod and he'd go, <laughs> what forms on the cock-a-doodle at 6 a.m. in the morning? Cock-a-doodle-doo. Oh, <laughs> and one other time, the, the answer was de Gaulle like Charles de Gaulle. Mm -hmm. The answer was de Gaulle. And he holds it up and the question was, what do you find between the heart and the liver? Oh de my God. So just that is, yeah, wow. You might want yeah. to know that. Yeah, that's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> David Schulhoff is down the street. <laughs> Let's go get him. Can we call him? Quick. Yeah, call him. That's amazing. Um, well, yes. Yeah, so at the end, I always ask you to nominate someone. Who would you like to well, nominate? Uh, down the street, while I was waiting for you, I saw a friend of mine in a restaurant. Yeah. He's a little, um, he's a little edgy. I don't, I don't know if he's really the right person for this, <laughs> but he, but he's a filmmaker who just completed 
a film on uh, a documentary on Clive Davis. His name is David Shuloff, and we're going to nominate him right now. All right. And see if he'd like to play the game. Do you see it, Mary? It's not going through. I think he went into the grocery store. I didn't want to interrupt you guys. But. Oh, that's all right. This is the beauty of, of live. Um, <laughs> it's instant. But, uh, you know, it's been such an honor having you, and, Governor. And for and those Mary, listening, you're listening to Sam Seven Sam? Questions. Oh, no, it's really Where I ask world leaders and fascinating people seven questions. 